0: so we're going to look at some scriptures tonight but there are many gospels where jesus gives instructions on following him following his way way before we landed on the term christian that word christian to describe ourselves us those who believe in jesus christ as our lord and savior and and there's a vast array of definitions for what it means to say lord and savior and why that matters just as the word Christian means so many different things in the world nowadays. But what Christian is supposed to mean is followers of the way. The ways that Jesus taught and spoke and lived. To be a follower of the way is to be an abider in his word. We talk about that here at Bethany in worship. Hopefully in your Sunday school class. We talk about it in Bible studies. What it means to be a follower of the way. To To love God. As the song said, to forgive. Love comes up a lot, to love one another, to love our enemies. Jesus taught that he was the way, the truth, and the life. The first Christians were known as followers of the way. And ever since then, we've been disagreeing and debating. We've been fighting and judging and separating over what that way is ever since. So we should probably pray, and that's how we're going to start. Let us pray. Holy God, as we come to you in this time of worship, in prayer, in seeking your word, help us, Lord, to be moved by it in such a way that uh, you get our hands reaching out, you get our feet moving, you get our mouths preaching your word so that it is Christ we offer. Show us, God, as we study how you are calling each of us to be followers of the way of the Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our first reading today is going to come from the Gospel of Matthew. Gospel is always a great place to start. Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? This is a hard word to follow. It's a short passage, but if you really pay attention to it, it's not an easy task that's before us. Because we love life. We fight hard for the lives that we have. We strive in the world, the kingdom of the world, that holds sway over us. And in striving in this world, we follow it instead of following Jesus. It can be really insidious. It can creep up on us how we are following the world in our lives for our lives rather than Jesus. Little minor comforts in our lives that we enjoy, little luxuries or conveniences. It's easy for us to slip into states of mindlessness and how we are living and moving and having our being in life living for ourselves and our own happiness above all else and above the concerns for other people. And we should be concerned for ourselves, for our health and our wellness. That's important. It matters that we take care of ourselves. Our bodies are these temples that God has given to us. And so we do need to treat ourselves as precious gifts from God that we're supposed to be stewards of, take care of. But usually that manifests itself, that care for ourselves and and making sure that we have what we want rather than simply making sure that we have what we need or what God would will for us. And what God would will for us is abundant and joyful lives. But the abundance is from a kingdom of God perspective, Abundance is not about what the world would say to have an abundance. It's not about worldly accumulation or success. A godly abundance would include offering mercy, pursuing God's grace, seeking to forgive others. A godly abundance is about developing and nurturing loving relationships, being with God Spending that time with God and with others to pursue, not not to take advantage of other people, not to seek accolades from other people, but to pursue deep and meaningful connection as we both share the gifts that God has given to us, share our gifts in the world, but also to make space for other people to be able to do the same thing, to share their gifts with us and with others that we're in relationship with. Because we're all called together to be in Christ for his sake, not for our sake. Following as denying ourselves, denying our lives, is the hard part. Because it's to deny our own will. To deny, to deny our ego and our pride. Our own sense of self-righteousness that we tend to pursue This this call from Christ to follow him is to live into a oneness with him and God's creation in harmony with all things. And in doing that, that involves not putting ourselves above Jesus, of course, but it also is to be about not putting ourselves above anyone else. Once upon a time at Bethany, there were some leaders who used to teach a course called Partners in Ministry, has anybody here taken that? I'm getting a few not, there few of us here, all right, have taken Partners in Ministry. I got to take it from Cecilia Barentine. She's our Director of Connections Ministry and Pastor David Minnick, who we still miss, who retired a couple years ago. But it was recreated for following Christ in a more obedient way, like this calls us to in this Gospel passage from Matthew. Being with one another in service to God Sharing what we have to bring to the table for the purpose of exalting God together. Offering God together. Not just being about ourselves, but working each with our own individual talents as a team together. And it was started in part to overcome bureaucratic shortcomings that people were experiencing in the local church. Institutional obstacles that got in the way. That doesn't happen anymore, right? Right. We've gotten past, I don't know why that's funny. (laughs) It hurts, don't go there. It hurts too much. Partners in ministry still very much a thing that we need to be pursuing in life because there are so many obstacles in the world, the kingdom of the world, that get in our way. So partners in ministry aimed to be about uniting clergy and lay leaders in serving together, partnering equally in ministry, without competition, among any people who are leading and serving, but with a mutual vision. We point to our mutual vision here regularly. You have it printed in your bulletin. Hopefully it sounds familiar when I say that we're leading people to experience God's love, that we're leading people to know Jesus Christ, that we're leading people to grow in his image, and that we do that by committing ourselves to be together in in worship like this, in discipleship like a Sunday school class or Bible study, in serving opportunities, and in generosity where we are giving our gifts. Partners in Ministry lives into that claim that Christ has on our lives. Christ as our Lord who calls all of us to follow him. I've been talking about Partners in Ministry. I thought I'd pop that up in case you don't know what I'm talking about. But we accept when we become partners in ministry, if we are baptized Christians, that we're called into ministry together. No one lords it over anybody else, but everyone has a function and a purpose based on their own gifts that God has given them, based on God's grace in their life, based on the calling that they have. So all work together as a team, as partners, and not against each other. This is very biblically grounded. Consider this plea in Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you yourself have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Are y'all working in, the, in your church work like this? Are you working in in humble ways, in gentle ways? Are you bearing with each other in your ministry? There is one body and one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And this oneness that the scripture talks about is not meant to be sameness but a mutual sharing of life through our differences, bearing with one another with the love of Christ alone that can unite us in spite of our differences. We define ourselves in relationships a lot by our differences with one another. We let these things distract us from how much we actually have in common, so much more in common with each other than different All of us are so much more alike than we are different. But we focus on the few issues where we don't align with one another and tend to forget or ignore the rest that unites us. But our differences are not more significant than the Christ who calls us to follow him. Those differences are supposed to bring us to a mutually interdependent community with one another. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. If any one of us suffer, the whole body suffers. If anyone is is raised up, is cared for, is honored, then all share in that honor because we are the body of Christ in the one spirit of baptism. And we just celebrated our reaffirmation of baptisms on our Baptism of the Lord weekend. That unites a huge, huge tribe of people all around the world. Regardless of geography or culture, Regardless of race or wealth, regardless of education or or gender, you name it, Christ can overcome it, and he can call us one. And still we have trouble hearing Christ over our disagreements and our differences. And so that, that class, Partners in Ministry, would teach communication skills. It would address how to confront someone and resolve conflict. It would teach us how to affirm other people. But the real meat of partners in ministry, the heart of this effort, are the heart principles that you saw is the title of what we are entering into in worship. The heart principles, H-E-A-R-T. The really helpful way to learn and practice being partners in ministry with one another as we who seek to follow Christ are called in god's service and loving relationship we need to have a heart we need the heart principles and so we're going to spend some time with these for the next five weeks as a congregation learning them to help all of us who follow christ to find a good way to do that better together in the body of christ with each other and you have these written in your bulletin you have a handout Oh, Actually, the handout's about how to have hard conversations, but it lists the heart principles there at the top. So I encourage you to hold on to that as we study over the next several weeks these five heart principles. H-E-A-R-T. Hear and understand me. Even if you disagree with me, please don't make me wrong. Acknowledge the greatness within me. Remember to look for my loving intentions and tell me the truth with compassion. The heart, it's where love abides. It's the seat of our authentic self. It's home to the Holy Spirit. Picture a life where you're abiding by these five practices in all of your life, in all your relationships with your spouse, with your parents or your kids, with coworkers and friends, with other Bethany members. Imagine if you act in accordance with these heart principles. How you can see a picture of how best to follow Christ with your Christian family, with, with anyone that you interact with. It's like training as a Stephen minister, our one on one Christian caregivers. All your relationships can be made better. By practicing the heart principles. You are a better person for it if you practice these. Tonight, I'm not going to get any further than the letter H. We're going to take our time going through the heart principles because these are important. H, hear and understand me. Hear me. Listen. Listen with both ears inclined to receive what I'm trying to communicate to you. All of us wish that we could be heard in this way, with someone really seeking to understand us. All of us want to be heard and understood. All of us crave a place where we can truly be ourselves, open and honest and vulnerable, and not having to hide behind our public faces. We need a place where we can speak what we think and what we feel without being discounted or shunned or discouraged. In so many of the conversations that we have in our lives, we're just waiting for our turn to talk. Yeah, I'm hearing laughing because you know people have done it to you, but you've also done it to other people. I'm meddling. I'm stepping on my toes too, and I'm wearing open-toed shoes. I'm in trouble. (laughs) We're just waiting for our turn to talk. We interrupt people. We finish people's sentences. We tend to spend time in conversations not listening to what the other person is saying, but thinking about what we want to say, yes, thinking about what we want to say ourselves when we get our chance. And in doing that, we miss who people really are. And we've discovered here at Bethany in just the past few years that not everyone feels safe sharing themselves here. People are not feeling like they're being heard and understood. I can name some topics where you can imagine. We don't have to imagine. You know, if we're talking about Politics, if we're talking about theology, if we're talking about the the issue of sexuality and the UMC as another general conference approaches, people who have worshiped and served and studied together for years, for decades at Bethany are suddenly struggling to get along because of the conflict in our own institution. Hearing and understanding others is good for all of our relationships, for all seasons and all times. And for us at Bethany, especially in this season of the upcoming General Conference, it's so important to us as followers of Christ in this one body to seek together to understand one another, to understand our brothers and our sisters here. Being a follower of Jesus means that we don't get to stop offering Christ When we don't like what someone has to say. Being a follower of Jesus means we don't get to stop offering Christ when we don't like what someone has to say. And if someone is not being Christ-like to us, we don't get to stop offering Christ. That doesn't mean we're no longer Christians. There aren't exemptions to sharing Christ's love. Hear and understand to the best of your ability. And ask for help, if that's not enough. Because we always have a lot of listening and understanding ahead of us, yet to come. And it's best to consider following Jesus over anyone else, over anything else, as we go about this effort. To turn to Jesus for his way to hear and to understand. Like that one time when he encountered a lonely woman at the well, all by herself, in the middle of the day this woman who had been married several times and was now living with a man outside of marriage Jesus sat with her to talk when no one else would be with her when her own townspeople treated her like an outcast here we have Jesus a Jewish man bothering with a Samaritan woman which was unheard of and wholly unacceptable and this is the way of Jesus To overcome the obstacles and the walls that we build between ourselves in this world. At many times, people would seek Jesus out because he is our wonderful counselor. Someone who understands the cares and the fears, the doubts and the longings in our hearts. In healing, Jesus could see past the request from a blind man who wanted to see. And he restored not only his sight, but also his faith. In conversation after conversation with Peter, Jesus understood how much Peter struggled to believe and accept the things that Jesus taught, the things that Jesus would do and that he himself, Peter, would accomplish in his life. We're not Jesus, and for that I give thanks. We cannot understand fully the private, hidden lives of other people, but the gift of understanding someone of truly knowing them and their story is a precious gift to offer to be a listening presence especially when the people that we are trying to hear are in pain or if they're feeling abandoned and alone when the world or the church has told them that they're unworthy or unlovable when we hear when we listen with the intention of seeking to understand the person who's talking We can begin to try to see that person with the eyes of God, to love them with the love of God, and to affirm that God considers this person before us to be a precious and beloved child of His. And I mentioned Stephen ministry as one of the ways that we seek to hear and understand this caregiving ministry of one-on-one Christian caregiving is all about the H. It's all about hear and understand me. At Bethany, we follow Jesus in this way with our mental wellness ministry, seeking to be there as an invitation for people struggling in mental illness or with a loved one who has mental illness to offer them a place of comfort and care, a place where they won't feel rejected. We follow the way of Jesus with support groups like Life Recovery and Rewire and Grief Care, meeting people where they are and giving them safe spaces to share themselves without fear of judgment or rejection and restoring them into community, reclaiming them in the body of Christ. That is the work that we do together as we prepare ourselves for what is to come, whatever may come, because we don't know what the future holds, just as we don't know the fullness of one another. But what we do know is that We can do better in the present as ourselves in Christ. Hear and understand me. Consider Jesus saying that to you. Imagine his voice speaking to you, sitting in conversation with you, and Jesus saying, hear me, understand me. Study his words, learn his ways, and do likewise. We can do that by reading the four Gospels to hear Jesus and to gain a greater understanding of him so that we can follow him. We can study the New Testament letters that the early followers of Jesus wrote to understand what their efforts were to hear and understand and try to follow Jesus. Douglas Johnson and Alan Waltz wrote that a reading of the New Testament, especially the Gospels that tell what Jesus looked for in people, produces a picture of a quality church member as one who has been touched and changed by the Holy Spirit. He or she is committed to doing the will of God even though sin will test the commitment. Over the years, the church has required that a part of a person's commitment to God is expressed by attendance at worship, regular observance of certain disciplines of a holy life, such as prayer, sacrifice, And care for others and that to specify how these must be done or carried out is not only inappropriate but is arrogant but they say that God's relationship to people determines how they should pray sacrifice and care for others so turn to Scripture to know how it is that you are supposed to pray to know what it is you need to sacrifice in your own life to know how you're to be about the work of caring for others in your own efforts to hear and understand and offer you this word from James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Not coincidentally this week, my devotional reading focus, and I read a guide to prayer for all God's people. This week, the focus theme happens to be following Jesus. And I have some work to do in that myself, as do you. So I will end our time together with one of the readings that was in this book. This is a prayer from Henry Nouwen. Let us pray. O oh Lord Jesus, your words to your Father were born out of your silence. Lead me into this silence so that my words may be spoken in your name and thus be fruitful. God, it is so hard to be silent. Silent with my mouth, but even more silent with my heart. There is so much talking going on within me. God, it seems that I am always involved in inner debates with myself, my friends, my enemies, my supporters, my opponents, my colleagues and my rivals. But this inner debate reveals how far my heart is from you. If I were simply to rest at your feet and realize that I belong to you and you alone, I would easily stop arguing with all the real and imagined people around me. These arguments, Lord, show my insecurity, my fear, my apprehensions, and my need for being recognized and receiving attention. You, O Lord, will give me all the attention I need if I would simply stop talking and start listening to you. I know that in the silence of my heart, you will speak to me and show me your love. Give me, O Lord, that silence. Let me be patient and grow slowly into the silence in which I can be with you. Amen.